0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys, and every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression. My wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah. I am in my parents' basement again. You can always tell because of the fish, which Lisa knew it was a walleye. I was like, dang, girl, we're already connecting. Um, So thank you for the both of you, Cameron and Lisa, for jumping into this episode. We're going to be diving straight into business, success, all things women, entrepreneurship. And this is exciting. I'm I'm stoked to be on this because I'm sure I'm going to learn a few things right now, too. So thank you for being here, first of all. Yeah, so excited to be here too. It's going to be fun. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. What got you into this? A little bit about... Uh, like, what is the driving force behind the work that you are also doing today? Um, I'm Lisa
1: Bradley and Cameron's other half. Um, And really a long journey of growing up and seeing things in a certain way. My parents were entrepreneurs. I grew up in Montana. I did a lot of different random jobs. I worked for Montana Fish and Wildlife, which is why I know that's a wall on your wall. Uh, (laughs) But I always knew that I wanted to start my own business. But um, then when I met my husband and quickly moved four times in four years, I knew that was going to be really difficult to do. And I'd have to create a business model that worked around all those moves, um but really, like why we living purposely and fully, you know, resonates so well with what we do because every time I moved, I really felt like I was losing my identity. It was new group of friends, new doctors, new community, new work, and a lot of times we get our sense of purpose and and our identity through the work we do every day, and it doesn't need to be paid work. It can be volunteer. It's the thing that you put out in the world that you do. Um, and many times I was a label on, you know, I was Captain Bradley's wife or so-and-so's mm-hmm. mom, and I wanted to be able to have an identity for myself. And so not only being able to create that for ourselves, but for other women was really what, what started our business model.
2: Wow. Yeah. And uh, I'm Cameron Cruz. I'm the other half of this of this operation, this two-bag lady operation. Um, in so many ways, Lisa and I grew up very different. We're opposites. We bring like a yin and a yang to the table. Um, so I grew up in Atlanta. I went and got my degree in architecture. I was so pumped about what that was going to look like. You know, like that nine to five, had the new wardrobe, had the student loans and the brand new, you know, Um, have my degrees up here on the wall and uh, met my husband who's in the military. And we moved from the beautiful Savannah, Georgia um, to the middle of nowhere. And that was like screeching halt on all of my dreams. I didn't know what I was going to do having this quarter life crisis. And uh, then I met Lisa and she was going through the exact same thing. So we decided right then and there that um, we were going to do something about it. And we weren't just going to kind of lay down and let this life happen to us. We were going to you know, kind of take control and really try to develop and build something that worked not just for us but for our whole community. So we jumped right in and started a bag company. (laughs) Why not? Right.
0: Why not? The most saturated industry in the world. It's fine. (laughs) fine. (laughs) Hey. I love a good bag. Okay. So there's, I will, I will search for a good bag. So I, I, there's always space. I think that's actually really important to understand too, is that there is space even in a market that seems saturated because it's not so much about the object as it is the quality, right. And the meaning behind it. So tell us a bit, tell us a little bit about the company that you have. Well, I think we knew we wanted to help military
1: spouses be able to have that, that purpose, you know, and be able to have something for yourself. You know, I remember when I was first married, they kept referring to me as a dependent and that was referring to spouses and children. I was like, that's the strangest word to give to a community of of people, you know, attached to the military. But after move, after move, I really did start to feel very dependent and, uh, and wanted to be able to have have that thing that was for myself and again it didn't need to be paid it didn't need to be it it just really needed to be a purpose and they see Mm -hmm. if you read about it a lot like sense of purpose helps people live longer uh there's a lot to that and so we started when when we were just running buddies actually we started talking about the things that were really difficult in our daily lives and, and employment was a big one of one of those we thought military spouses are so talented they have so much grit because they have to move so frequently that somebody needs to do something about helping them. And so we built a business model around the idea of a distributed manufacturing model where they can make the parts and pieces to our handbag line from home. Um, So at first it wasn't handbags. It just, it needed to be something that could carry this very important story and being able to pick up a a handbag every day. It's not like clothing that you switch it out every day. you, you choose a bag You usually use it every day. And that's why we wanted to go with a a product that, that you want to have as your partner each day.
2: Yeah. We were running, but we were doing all the things that unemployed people do, right. We were running, we were working out like all the time we were day drinking. We were dreaming about what we could do and what we could be and like complaining about everything. And then we decided to jump right in and I'll never forget everybody around us. Our husbands, especially were like, that's so fun. You guys, you guys have fun doing that you know fill your time it's cute um and then we put cute. our our sewing machine our first sewing machine on a credit card and everybody around us is going oh god are you guys sure oh like course. we should talk about this <laughs> because now got real fast. we're together like now we're inextricably linked like we have this thing that we can't you know you can't separate the two of us so i think you to together. <laughs> Attention." <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh my gosh. Okay. And so then you start making these, mm-hmm. you buy yourself a, a sewing machine on a credit card. By the way, I just have to state one of my business ideas came from running too. And it was mm-hmm. on a bracelet that I was wearing and it said, love life, live boldly. And, mm-hmm. or no, it said, um, it said, "yeah," something like that it had the word bold in it. And that became one of the things that, I mean, I, it's part of my tagline, live boldly, but mm-hmm. so it, it happens. And you do, you have
1: to completely jump off that cliff and just- Oh, you have to. Update. Yeah, and, and that's what we did. You know, we found the one place that we didn't have to pay rent, rent which was neither of her husband's garage. It was actually an attic above the garage, um, which was the o- only open space. And so you should have seen us take, you know, like a, a pulley system to get that industrial sewing machine that was probably 150 pounds up that attic ladder. Um, mm-hmm. But we really, we set up shop and um, made made five bags to make seven and then seven to make 20. And I got fired from sewing really early on. You know, there's these key moments in the beginning of your your business where you find what you're supposed to be doing and not doing. <laughs> so I think you you think that starting a business is is really glorious and, or, and definitely Instagram perfect, but it's not. Um, those early days, you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And you're, you're also, if you have a, a co-founder, you're figuring out how to work with each other. Um, those were some of the best days and... Um, and we we still have versions of that even today as we grow.
2: yeah, for sure. One day or evening, multiple evenings in a row, I'll distinctly remember is we're planning the launch of this ruler.com website. So we we decided we're going all in. we learned how to take credit card payments at these shows. like we were we, we learned that we were gonna you know put our website up um and and have our e-commerce. And we thought you know, once we turn it on, once we go live, like we're, the orders will come. Like we're yeah. so excited. So we stay up for like multiple days on end trying to get these bags done so we could at least have five to ten, you know, items to sell and inventory. And the day comes, the shop, the shop goes live and nothing, nothing happens. There's no sales. I mean, Lisa, do you remember this? And so we're going... Okay, well, I guess we need to go. I guess we need to like step out of the attic and go get in front of people and go to these markets. We would go to any market that would take us, any farmer's market, any small art show, anything where we could have a table and put bags on it. We would show up and we would just be handing cards and taking custom bag orders and just figuring out what made our customers tick. And that was like that was our first realization that nothing is going to come easy. You're going to have to work for all of this.
0: You just said something that's what makes our customers tick. Mm-hmm. And what was the thing that you found out the most about your customers? What was the most interesting thing that you found out or the most surprising? I think that they
1: really resonated with that re-identifying of ourselves and that we weren't just talking about it. We were out there doing it ourselves. We were on underneath a tent in a, in a farmer's market. You know, with seven bags that we made and stayed up until two o'clock in the morning, we went from coffee to basically beer, making these products. <laughs> and wow. They look like, you know, they look like that. You know, we still have a couple of the, the first prototypes, one sitting actually behind me. And, um, and you, you grow from it. And, and they, I think they really just resonated that we were out there doing it and that they, whether you're military or maybe you're a family that's had to move for, for work or you've had to basically move your life and re-identify yourself, that's what really resonated with with our customers really in the beginning. Even when our product wasn't at 100%, it was yeah, the idea. That,
2: that was the messaging part, right? Which really was helpful. And then there's little key things that you pick up, like, oh, I wish there was a pocket here. Or when they would touch the product. Like if you have a physical product should always be with it in front of people, you know, watching them interact with it. And so us being able to watch them even at a very small scale early on, I wish this just had a strap. I wish it had a pocket. I wish it had a handle here. Why does it look like that? You know, so you would almost get to experience those first couple of prototypes and we would very rapidly and very quickly adapt, you know, and evolve their product so that we could provide the best thing for our customers.
0: You mentioned about identity quite a bit because, and I, I talk about this in my speaking engagement, how for so long in my life, and I'm sure many people listening to this will relate to this. And I'm curious if you both do, where you felt like you were in the shadows of others and your gift wasn't being used. And you knew that there was a gift there, but you're even like, I'm not even sure what my gift is, which is, you know, equal to also my purpose. How much did that play into the creation, the product? And how did that change or transform over time as you stepped out of the shadow, as I'm going to call it, or you stepped into your identity?
2: Oh, man. I mean, I just remember feeling like, well, that quarter life crisis feeling was such a eye-opening experience for me. I had this thing that I thought I was going to be, this person, this career that I thought I was going to have. And then I would spend all day long at home waiting for my husband to come home and not really knowing what to do with that time in between i was really lost like i wasn't even being the best stay at home mom or house you know i wasn't even managing my house as best i could i was just lost because i didn't feel like that was my purpose i wanted to create something i wanted to build something um so it didn't even feel like i was intentionally stepping out of the shadows or into the light or anything like that it just felt like i was exploring a way into feeling like my days mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they did start to matter and I'll tell you, it mattered more when there were more people involved for me, it's very much about community. You know, so Lisa and I found this partnership and we're exploring this together. And then we would bring in other military spouses and they would see the light in some way too. Um, that was really like when I, I truly felt like we were making a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: part of my thing is helping other people find theirs too. And that's what fills me. I think that each individual person has a different idea of what is fulfilling versus taking away from them. Um, So for us to be able to create a business model and then see that light in other people was really what was also filling a light in me. Um, And I remember a specific time where our, um, she was a Riveter with us from the very beginning ages, days. Uh, A Riveter is a person that, or a military spouse that helps create the parts and pieces from home and then she actually transitioned into being a bookkeeper and then our office manager but she said one of the most key turning points for her was her her son said mom you know i encourage you on a phone call the other day and like i just want to tell you like how proud i am I of you like i had a completely different view of of your your background and your skill sets and being able to hear you on phone calls from home really like really was important to me and that was you know back before 2020 when everybody was working from home it was really that that moment of you know women can have a career and a family too and I'm you know I'm in the generation where that that idea was still blooming you know like now I think it's it's pretty common to have a, a two in family and the roles are, are shared amongst both um heads of the household um but I, you know I was really raised in a time frame where those duties were really split and we were still trying to figure out what that looked like um so I was very proud that I got to be part of that transition for other people as well.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. How when you first started, so it's first started with the two of you, how many do you have working now? How big is this? So we we went from
1: just the two of us, uh, you know, figuring it out in the very beginning stages. And then when it got too much for the two of us, and that was the first time that we we're like, hey, we need help. And of course you kind of you go to your community right next to you. And so that's actually one of the first people was was the gal I was just talking about um, she has the coolest render number it's R007. Um, so she gets to be double seven, which like, I think everybody wants that number. <laughs> um, wow. But um, you know, and, it, and then it steadily grew, and we're at about three five remote riveters who who take place in in participating with the the production of our of our products. Um, but we have almost forty two employees too, which is really great to say that we've been able to create you know forty two American jobs, which um, you know I think we need more here. Inside of our own country and being able to give back to our own economy.
0: Okay. And you were on shark tank.
2: Let's talk about
0: that experience. Please. Yeah,
2: that's a claim to fame. It, um, it almost didn't feel real. You know, what's funny about it is we didn't think it was real. We got a call right. essentially inviting us to, to pitch to shark tank. And we were like, yeah, whatever. It's a lie, but we'll call them back. But we know it's not real. And then it was real. So we were like, Oh God, And I remember Lisa and I having this conversation where we were kind of like, nope, we're not going to do that. Like, that's insane. We're not going to get up there and pretend like we have any idea what we're doing, you know? And then Lisa said, I, she's like, I think we should do it. Like, I don't want to be an old lady sitting in the rocking chair wondering what would have happened if we said yes. And so we were like, oh God, okay, here we go. (laughs) So we committed and we went into the tank. And there's
1: always like a phase in growing that I feel like you should, you know, it's a yes day for business. You know, like there's a phase of your, of your growing your business where you need to just say yes and yep. figure it out. And then there's a phase where you need to be a little bit more strategic and stop saying yes so much. Um, but we're glad that we, you know, took the plunge into the tank. It was one of the best things we ever did, not only just because we got a, a deal out of it, but really because it made us stop and say, if we're going to go on national television in front of the whole entire country and in front of the best business leaders... We need to have our stuff together. And so we really stopped all operations um, to at least Cameron and I really said, no, team, you need to take care of this. We're going to prep ourselves for this. And that that forcing us to stop and look backwards to be able to really plan for the future was one of the most pivotal times of of our company.
0: What has been the most shocking or the most uh surprising thing that you have learned about becoming entrepreneurs especially as as women moms um, partners you know really find going through this identity space
2: i guess it's,
0: it's really like what everything that
2: we didn't know before <laughs> it really gives you this this perspective and i feel like we level up like every month of every year the perspective gets like smaller and smaller we realize how much there is to know, how much there is to learn. Um, you know, I think before entrepreneurship, before opening up to the idea of being a business owner, my scope was really small. And so I, I really didn't understand what made the world, you know, go around. I didn't know what made the world tick. And so now I have a larger, you know, understanding of that. I have still very small in comparison to most, you know. Um, but for me, it was like, wow, I didn't know how all this operated. I didn't know how all this worked. Um, and feeling like I'm learning something new every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd second that like perspective is everything and attitude. Um, so I feel like as a military spouse, we got a really unique perspective of life, you know, from being constantly worried about your spouse that's overseas to like really knowing what's, what really matters, um, to growing up to growing a business. You know, you, you actually get a look underneath the hood and you appreciate what people have done before you. Um, and mm-hmm. so much more of a, a finite matter, just cause you now lived it and you know what it takes to put something to market. Um, and so that perspective helps me every day approach daily life differently.
0: Okay. But how did you not get afraid going on shark tank? <laughs> that like, that's, that's like, cool. I really want to talk. I really want to like, because I know for me, I mean, I've had, I've done national TV and it's, it's, it's nerve wracking, You know, and you're, and you're literally putting your product, your story and everything out there. When I was having a down moment where I didn't think we could do it, Cameron was like, we got this. It's going to be totally fine. And then,
1: and then it would flip flop the next day. And I don't know what would have happened if we had a down day together, but um, it was, (laughs) it was really just each other rooting each other on for a bigger picture. And the biggest thing that we wanted to be able to do is be able to take this brand and for it to be known, uh, really in a household way, I think the coolest thing now is literally going to the airport or going to a grocery store and seeing one of your bags that you created, you know, from, from a, a little seed of, of hope back in 2011. And so like, that's the part that makes it all worth it is that you we're now seeing our handbags from, from a little idea of being able to help people. And then knowing that that individual bought that bag for a reason, uh, mm-hmm. being able to put that on her arm Knowing that she has a whole community of people behind her, that's what we always wanted to be able to do and to be able to make that reach.
2: Yeah, and we definitely that and those negative thoughts always crept in, or at least they started to, right? And like Lisa said, I would have a moment and she'd be like, we're fine. And then she would have a moment and I'd re- remind her we've got this. But what really pushed us in and made us successful in the tank was the preparation. So we we did so many hours of research. We did so many mock tanks, practicing talking, just practicing talking about you know our business, answering questions in front of people that were smarter than us, you know, that were going to give us a hard time and not going to let us just, you know, answer a question and move on. Um, We actually did a mock tank and we totally bombed it and nobody in the mock shark tank would have invested us. So we like, we really took that as like an eye-opening experience and we practiced and practiced and practiced Um, and we knew all of our numbers and we knew everything that we could um, going into that. So not only did we have, you know, the hours of preparation, but then we had each other to like pick us pick each of us up when we were kind of getting down. Like when we got to California to go into the tank, we had a moment in the, in the um, hotel room where Lisa was like, we shouldn't do this. I don't know what we're doing. Like we, we've flown all the way out to California and Lisa's is like, we gotta, we gotta bail. Um, you
0: know, and
2: then <laughs> I'm like, no, stop that. You know, like just get a good night's sleep and we'll be fine. And then we're like walking into the tank where they open the shark tank doors. And Lisa looks at me and she goes, okay, I'm fine. And I'm like, I don't know what my name is right now. Like, how are you fine? What? <laughs> it
1: really I, is a preparation. Because <laughs> really we, like like Cameron said, we went into a mock tank and they said at the end, anybody raise your hand that will invest in this company and nobody raised their hand. And we're like, we're literally flying in two weeks to to go on national television telling them every business decision we've ever made. And um, luckily we took that to heart and we completely redid our whole entire numbers, but I, I had to re-memorize all that. And that's, that was the fear. Um, So I, I had up until that morning to re-memorize everything.
0: Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or wanna learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life. Use the coupon code LIVEBOLDLY at checkout. L-I-V-E-B-O-L-D-L-Y. Go grab them, SarahSheltoncranz.com, underneath more and digital programs. Listen, I'm I'm as a speaker myself, I totally get this. I mean, two weeks ago, two weeks prior to an engagement that I just did on Tuesday, I stripped down my entire speech because I had gone through this experience where I was like, Okay. Much like yours. It, my, it wasn't, I didn't share my speech with anybody. It wasn't that is it, it was, it was the inspiration was so different. Having gone through this experience two weeks prior to my keynote that I was like, wow, this isn't this, I need to shift the message. Like this is, this is where I want to dive in with this. And so mm-hmm. I think I know for myself, it's not even, that. I think I know that, you know, we are presented with times like this to really, up-level us, right. To, to allow us to rise into that next space and to step further into our own purpose. And that's what you did as scary as it is, as scary oh, yeah. as it is. I, I can definitely crazy. go back to the times where we're most comfortable
1: and we feel like we've got, you know, a handle on things. That's really when things are slipping. And yep. I know that like right around the corner, we're going to have a big wake up call. And um, it's actually when things are hard and you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose that you're like, okay, we're actually making progress. And I know that this is worth the hard work, you know, and, and then being able to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations, like your husband being the person doing the mock tanks. Um, that was, he was the hardest shark the camera and I went up against. And, um, and that was a really difficult time, but it was worth it. Um, it, it. He really helped us prepare and the mock tank really helped us prepare. And I think that the fact that we did that much prep work was really why we were so successful in the tank.
0: Yeah, preparation's key for anything. I mean you have to you have to have yourself ready to go before you you know step into anything like that. Right. Um have you ever heard the whole thing about you know the that the courageous step is what builds the confidence which is then what shuts down the self-doubt? Uh, that's yeah, that's so does. true. Yeah.
2: yeah. Like we've lived that a couple of times over yeah I, I could yeah. see that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to just be courageous enough to take that step in order to build the confidence. Yeah. The self-doubt creeps in. It's clearly, it creeped in how many times, right? For sure. But, yeah. you know, and having the confidence to to overcome that is is what gets you to that next space. That's yeah. so freaking cool.
1: Sometimes That's I think so we take so it a little bit pretty- too far. Some of the things that we've been working on with, with contractors and, and whatnot, they're like, you guys have almost too many systems too many things locked down and that's actually one of the things that like what is surprising on this side of of really growing a company is like what do you put what do you put your energy into and we've been really good about putting systems in place and and being able to track things and being able to really practice like we play Um, but there's also a time frame where you've just got to go and you've got to everything can't be at 100 to move forward um, so you definitely have to flex those two muscles to, to really grow a company and an entrepreneur knowing when to flex those is really what makes you successful or not.
0: You mean flex in terms of your creativity or in just yeah, flexing, like,
1: how, how far does this need? Does this need to be at hundred percent in order to move forward or does it right. need to be good enough to be able to keep everybody moving forward? And I think those were some of the things that I've struggled with most as moving from the creator, Cameron and I, moving from the creator of the business to managing the business um, because many entrepreneurs are very creative and they like to, to start things. But then going into more of the management phase of the business, is it's, it's quite a shift for, for a lot of entrepreneurs. And that's the part that's been kind of most surprising to me is when do you want something with speed or with perfection?
0: Mm. Okay. So going back to shark tank, cause I, I wanted to, like, I can't even imagine the pressure in that, the while you were there, like the pressure while you were there must've been incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the, the pressure leading in was pal- like, palatable, but I feel like once you get in there, get on that stage and you start to have those conversations, um, it just, just becomes that routine, whatever you've practiced and made permanent, it just Like we weren't trying to be somebody that, you know, we weren't being imposters and that really helped with not only the authenticity of our pitch, but it, you know, I think the sharks and anybody, they can see through somebody who's not truly authentic and not, you know, being, you know, living in their own way. And, and that's just who we were. And we, we knew we had to kind of live and be comfortable in that space. And you ended up building out from that. Mm -hmm. So what was that like
0: for you when you, I know this is just like a crazy, silly question, but to actually know that you had people investing in you, how was it for you when you left there? I think it gave us the
1: credibility that we're looking for is, you know, once they put their stamp of approval on it, it was like, okay, we're not crazy. You know, buying that sewing machine was a good idea, husband. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just kind of (laughs) gave us, you know, the credibility in an industry that is really saturated, right? Um, but then like that was really where the, the work began. Um, we were in back order for six months after that. Um, and being able to to really work with our customers to know that they're waiting on something that's worth it. You know, we we live in a society where we don't have delayed gratification anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I even look at my kids who, you know, we order something and then they stand outside and waiting for it to come in the mail almost hours later, and they're not getting that feeling of of what it felt like to have to wait for something. You know, like back in the old days, when you get a CD, you're going to the store and you have to wait for that thing. And it, sometimes it makes you actually appreciate it more. Um, and, and much in, like that with our handbags, they're going across the country and back for a purpose. Um, and our the one thing I'll say about the Shark Tank process was our customers were so patient and they actually appreciated that each one of those items were, were being handmade across the country. And, and they, they got that and, and waited. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot to us. When we were scaling a company, we sold more in one night than we did the whole previous year. Um, gotcha. So taking a little company like that and being able to scale those operations is
0: is not an easy task. Wow. You sold more in one night than you had the entire year. Right. Yeah. Yep. Dang. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: The other piece of that, you know, not only just being ourselves, but we were in constant communication with our customers So they were definitely willing to wait, but we were saying your order's on the way. Like, here's where it is. We just sent it to our riveter in Ohio, you know? So like, we didn't just say, Hey guys, it's going to be a while. And we went dark. We said, it's going to be a while, but trust us, it's worth it. And then we would let them know at every stage their bag is coming, their bag is on the way. It's in process. It's going back to our facility. Let me ask you, was there any part of you, younger version
0: of you that helped you with this process of stepping into the space of being an entrepreneur
2: mm-hmm. younger
0: version creative younger version young girl where you were like i remember being a little girl loving handbags or what was what the younger version of you helped you as a woman today
2: I
1: mean, growing up in montana I'm being surrounded by people that that have to fix things in the middle of nowhere and not calling somebody to come and fix it um, problem solving and figuring out how to do that really helped me. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs. So I knew I knew the ups and downs of an entrepreneur's life. You know, it, it wasn't a time clock, you punch eight to five, and then you you got the rest of the evening to your family. Um so I knew that, you know, if my parents were working late into the hours, I knew that they were they were doing that for the betterment of my family. Um, mm-hmm. so that really helped prepare the mindset of of growing a business. Um and then, like I said, just that that lifestyle of if it's going to, if you're going to fix it, you're going to have to do it. You're not going to ask somebody else for help or or pay somebody else to do it. You need to figure it out. And that really mm-hmm. helped me in the mindset.
2: Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, I always wanted to build something. I loved the idea of going to art school, but I didn't want to be a starving artist. So I, you know, and my dad grew up, he had a construction, a small construction company. I worked for him during the summer. So it was like, I want to do something with my hands and I want to do something that matters. So getting a master's in architecture felt like the best, the best option for me. I loved how it brought like two worlds together. Um, And so having that like design background and like the project management and the planning, there's a lot that translates from architecture to fashion or fashion accessories. So that helps, you know, I, I always like love the idea of of building and designing things. Um, And then where I think Lisa and I come together is we have this, almost like this brand archetype of the Explorer, um, with like a little rebel and like, and then Lisa's got, you know, um, that entrepreneurship and that, that sort of discipline, um, discipline entrepreneurship background. So us bringing that Explorer archetype, you know, of, of our, um, interests in life together really helped start, you know, our riveter.
0: Have you had to move quite a bit since then? How was that? Are you, yeah, cause you're yeah, not near moved,
1: each other, right? Yeah. I, we were together for eight to nine months when I made my first move. And then I've made an additional 12 after that. So um, I moved a lot and definitely was very fortunate to have a, a employment opportunity that I was able to move. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely u- utilized our own, our own purpose um, a lot. And I um, think Kimber was a little bit more fortunate. It wasn't quite as much, but um, we were fortunate to have her a little bit more stable um, with their particular um, military experience, and that's the thing about military spouses is it's so widely um, from one to the other. You know, it can be moving all the time, um, or you know, it, even just the what a military spouse needs to be able to do is is pick up and and drop something at the the drop of a hat because your your kid's sick, or you know, if your spouse is gone, that's that's what you have to do. You're the primary parent. Um, so being able to provide that flexibility was really important to us.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard starting a business mm-hmm. yeah, being an entrepreneur. I mean, I listen, I get it. I was, I didn't set out to do any of it, but there was a a call, you know, it's like, literally I, I call it, it's like a call from your heart and your soul. Of, like, this is what I, this is what I want to do. So I need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we fight it right. Where it's like, no, can't do that. Don't just that wonderful saboteur or, inner critic is, can be very, very powerful at times to not do something.
1: Right. Yeah. Like every time that you do, it's a little bit easier though. Like the first time you jump off a cliff, it's like, it's very scary. But the next yeah. time you bring a parachute and then the next time, you know, you've got a nice little pool at the bottom of the cliff. Um, so it's like every time you've created something new or you've tra- you have you you put yourself out there, you're you're equipping yourself with more tools to make that, that jump easier. Um, so I think that it's the very first one that's so hard
0: what would you tell yourself today that you, if you were starting this over doing this again, what would you tell yourself today?
2: Uh, There's so many lessons, but I think the one that for me is the main thread is to trust yourself more. So like, I I firmly believe that the entrepreneur is like the flavor of the dish, right? So the entrepreneur is the thing that's driving that has the vision so trust your vision trust your gut but find people that have done this before for 30 years and learn from them immediately (laughs) so like lisa and i had never done anything like this before so we jumped into this manufacturing retail handbag fashion world and we'd, I'd never had a real job other than like babysitting and working for my dad. And, you know, I, I folded towels once summer at a gym. So like we had, I had never even had a real job. Um, and so we were learning so much and we should, it would have been interesting to see how much further and faster we could have gone if we had engaged people with experience earlier than we did.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think it's like, and it's that mindset of, you know, you don't, you, you can do it yourself you can figure it out. I don't know how many things I've Googled. If you could just see my Google history, um, you'd probably see most of the way that we do things at our because we're just figuring it out. Um, but like there's there's the two pendulums, you know, you can be more risk adverse and not fund your company at such a greater level and try and figure it out yourself. Or, you know, you can put the risk in and, and fund it in another way and be able to bring in someone that's been doing it and can implement quickly. Um, and I think that, that speed component component is really important. I um, mean, you have to make that decision as an entrepreneur. How fast do you want to go, or how risk adverse do you want to go?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very true.
2: Where do you think you would be
0: if you hadn't gone on Shark Tank? I'm just curious. You know, I think it was the
1: speed component, right? It gave us not only a great, uh, you know, funding to be able to move forward, but also it was it was also a marketing channel because we were able to tell our story on a national platform. So we went a lot faster from it. I think we would still be here, but it was that we would have taken more of that risk adverse route, right? Where it would have taken a lot longer.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And it was risky, you know. Like Shark Tank either makes or breaks companies, so it was definitely we we took the risk um, for the reward, and we're, we're really glad we did.
0: What's the most surprising thing that you found out about yourself, just like you, about who you are as a woman? Going down this road. I think that you
1: like for me, I remember a time frame where even public speaking was so terrifying for me. Um, I could hear my my blood pumping in my ears. It was so so much anxiety. <laughs>
0: Listen, girl, I get it. I finally I'm finally like I can before I go up there, I'm not like shaking in my boots.
1: Right, exactly. And then our first news appearance, um, Love us before Shark Tank, I just it was so terrifying and I was just thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, so being an entrepreneur, you find that you there's these, these walls where you're like, I can't do it. I can't even see myself doing it. But then when you put yourself out there and you get through it, you're like, that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. And the next time you have, have that self-doubt, again, it's easier because you know you did it. You got through it once. Um, so whatever hurdle that is, being able to just take the leap of faith and doing it is is the best thing that you can do for yourself and also for your family and and the people around you too
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah definitely
2: oh man i think i've learned how to the most surprising thing you know and it goes back to that you know risk adverse thing doing it yourself kind of going slow and being very methodical and doing it all yourself Um, I've now learned and I learned uh, really, I learned a lot from Lisa because she loves to open up to people and get out there, put herself out there. And she's a great extrovert. So I'm a learned extrovert and I have very introverted tendencies. So this has helped me come out of that, out of that shell and learn how to interact with people and work with people brainstorm with people and grow with people because otherwise I would have just like done it all in my little hole. You know, I think
0: I have this thing where I love resistance. I think it's actually very fun. I've had to learn to love it. And I think that that's the space where we find this part of ourselves that we never knew was possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, cause you can be so, it can be so scary stepping out of that space and having to speak or mm-hmm. having to share whatever it is, but that resistance is literally like, it, it can be one of the greatest places to step into.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Courage over comfort, right? Courage mm-hmm. over comfort. Can't have both.
1: I think proving people wrong too. That's always been a good one. <laughs> 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 I was going to say it. <laughs> when I mean, someone you know, can do something. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I do think it's pretty fun to be where you just like,
2: you just know that you do right? (laughs) Well, that was to all the people that told us like, this is this business model of yours is kind of cute. Like, but you'll never grow it. You'll never scale it. You'll never be profitable. Like, good luck. You know, and we were like, well, hold my beer.
0: (laughs) So I don't understand what part of it did they not think would be. Would work the the cost of
1: of shipping things across the country. The mm-hmm. centralized manufacturing model was traditionally how you were able to create the highest profit, and it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, like, what our model would be more profitable if we were in one location, but that's not the reason we're doing it. And I think that business in general has moved more towards a purpose driven mm-hmm. that helping others, and it being a self fulfilling cycle is it a better model? And that's what we've been able to find in our business as well. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, I agree. Like a couple of things I want to touch on. First of all, is we have in here, in this community, we have this thing every Tuesday, where it's, you go do the difficult, like what is the difficult thing that you're going to do this week, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and implement it. Don't just talk about it, but freaking step into it Mm -hmm. and then share on social media what is the difficult thing you're going to do? Because I think that so often we don't hold ourselves accountable. We talk about it. It's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people that I've taken down into the Grand Canyon where they've wanted to make these major shifts in their life. And they're like, but I just can't. And yeah. that voice in our head can really do a lot of sabotage, self-sabotage, a lot of disservice to us because it 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 will it will tear us down and make us believe that we cannot do something. When in reality, we 100% can't. We can Mm -hmm. do every difficult and when we do it, we do it, we can do it the next time, the next time, the next time. Uh, That said, I I wanted so that's the one thing I wanted to touch on with you, but then the other thing was, um, you know, when it comes to this business model, I think that I have found that people in general are not only wanting to live a more purpose-driven life, but they're wanting to buy more purpose-driven products. I will buy a more purpose-driven p- product over just the norm every single time. Tell me the story behind the product, and I will buy that product, especially if yeah. I relate to that story. Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, it, it is interesting that we are inundated with information, you know, stories on our cell phones and and just inundated with it, but we don't ask for those same things behind our products and the things that we're buying. So really, it's that storytelling and being able to really know where our product comes from that is so important, which is why when you go throughout one of our handbags, you can really see that all the people that go into it, not only from the, the remote riveter that, that makes the textile pieces, but the American jobs that we're creating too. Everyone has a riveter number. You know, it's in our company, it's almost as important as your first and last name. You have a riveter number and it's about taking ownership of the work you're doing because we know that this opportunity wasn't given to us. We had to work for it. And that's the reason why you stamp your riveter number and really own Everything that
0: you do. Have you read Kendra Hall's book, Stories That Stick? I've heard it. I, I have not. I Finally, suggest that, that you have to do that. That's yeah. for everybody because Kendra Kendra Hall. She grew up in the Midwest. I believe she's this. I don't. I could be completely mistaken here, but I'm pretty sure she's more uh, of a smaller town kind of girl too, like very grounded in her values and what she believes in. And she is a storyteller. And she gets up on stage and she talks about the stories that not only the stories that we share through business, but the stories that we tell ourselves Mm
2: -hmm. and the
0: stories that we live in every single day. And Mm -hmm. I, I used to be told when I was younger that, you know, Sarah, your stories are too long or get to the point or blah, blah, blah. And I think that we miss the details in the story. If we go so fast through what is really important, which are the details, right. Mm -hmm. Which ultimately is what's making up your product. Like, Every little detail in your product has a story. Mm-hmm. And that product is created by the stories not only of those moments where the people are making them, but also the story of the person that's making the product. Makes sense. So yeah, that's why it's it's so we're cool.
1: intricately so linked to. Um, and that's I think such a great representation of our product is that we're all a chapter in the story. And yes. um, they, and you can learn something from another person um, and you can, that's what entrepreneurs I think do best is they can hear how someone else did it and it doesn't have to be done the exact same way, but you can learn so much from that and you can turn it around and, and be able to implement it in your own life. Um, and so our, our handbags are really stories being told um, that you can relate to and um, also be able to turn around and put it back on, into the world with your own spin.
0: Freaking love it. And, and her whole story behind her Spanx, right? And then she didn't even tell anybody for the longest time. She went for years, I believe it was, before she even told anybody what she was doing. Mm-hmm. She wanted to hold that story so close to herself and then share it, right? Like, yes, this is what I'm working on. And I do think that so often we also do share some of the things that we should keep a little bit closer to our heart of, of you know, our accomplishments or whatever they are. Um, and then when it's time, put it out there and put it out there hard, just like you all did. I mean, that's, incredible.
1: Yeah. that's incredible. I think for us also, it's bridging the generations. You know, one of my favorite generations is the World War II generation, just because it was such a pivotal time, not only for our country, but also for women who mm-hmm. had to leave their, you know, did on their own accord, leave a very uh, environment that was imposed on them really by culture. Um, and they right. had to step outside of that in a time where it was you know, where to even wear pants to go in and wear overalls and actually, you know, work on, on the war effort. Um, so being able to hear some of those stories from original Rosies is some of my favorite times in growing this business. And they, they talk so, you know, like nonchalant about it. And it's like, wow, you're kidding me. Like you, you did so much for our country and you, you were able to do so much for, for women's work too. Um, so, and it's those stories that. I think that need to be told and not forgotten.
2: Yeah. And that's why it was so important to us when we named the company after Rosie the Riveter that we knew it was grounded in his history. We knew it was grounded in a military connection, but we also wanted to be something so much larger and everything that she stood for and that generation stood up and did, we wanted to not only you know do ourselves because we were, we were ready to do our part, but we want to teach that to our daughters and to our sons and to the next generation. So it's this kind of long line of strong, empowered women doing doing their part for what the world needs of them right now.
1: I think that one of the things I heard most about Rosie River was so surprising to me is they did a lot of, like, do you want to make more money? Do you want to be able to have your own things in a time where you didn't have your own money? And the number one thing that made made the biggest difference of getting them into factories was you're part of the war effort. You're at home, right. but you're actually, women made most of the the machinery that went into the the war and helped win that too. And so it's really about standing up and being there um, for your community, for your country, um, which is really important to Cameron and I, and, and also you know, being able to put those values forward to our
2: children.
0: You're both incredible. And I, I'm just honored and grateful to be having this conversation with you because, you know, thank you for for stepping in and 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 creating your own story from all of this as well because it's just so cool. It's so cool. I love I every damn day I'm on a plane, you know, every time I'm on a plane or anything, I meet meet super cool people. It's all I keep saying is I love cool people. I love <laughs> people. I love I love people that step out. I love people that take the chance. I love people that do the difficult. I I was on a flight a couple of days ago and I couldn't get my piece of luggage up uh, up on top and I just some guy came out of nowhere and he's like, let me help you. And he pushes stuff over and puts that piece of luggage up. And I looked at him and I just, I like, I just pat him on the back. I'm like, I just love good people. <laughs> like so I sure. I love, I, and that just right there, like that story right there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like just putting good in the world and making a difference.
1: It's and especially on planes when people are usually very angry. So it's yeah. just even better, right? I'm definitely right? a person on a plane that I was like, Oh gosh, I, gonna sit next to a talker, but you meet the coolest people on planes. You <laughs> meet the coolest known. people,
2: and <laughs> and you know, and
0: I think that that's something to just be said as well. It's like when we can put ourselves out there, which is exactly what you both did, mm-hmm. and kudos to the both of you. And you went on national TV on one of the scariest shows, by the way. Like, right? I mean, I look at Shark Tank. I'm like, dang, that's like you're putting yourself in there. Um I paddle with sharks but I don't know if I jump into that. I I would would I would I would. It you 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 are really blazing trails for so many people which is so so cool. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, I do hope that through it all someone looks at this and says I can do it too. I remember what kind of set my pace for business and is um in, in college um, I went through a kind of like a mini shark tank and and Unfortunately, won it with a really random business model. And the the guy that said, you know, I'd love to advise you through this. And he sat me down at Perkins and said, you know, I don't want anything out of this other than you do this in the future for somebody else that's growing. And, you know, as a young woman that, you know, hadn't had much perspective from, from life, being that be my first experience with business really set my pace for how businesses should interact with the world.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I was going to ask you, actually, what is one of the things that that are the lessons or anything that you are given? You've gave, given the one. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. So I, I um, hope that, that
1: Scott sees the business and and there is um, other young women that can see that they can do it too.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's one hope for our business model. That's mm-hmm. awesome. What about you, Cameron?
2: Um, it's not always going to work out the way that you want it to, but everything happens for a reason, right? So like I had this whole path and really... I've found something that's far more fulfilling than I think I could have ever concocted up by myself. So, lean into that idea of transition and change and that discomfort that comes with um, an evolving and changing environment because you're really going to find the best version of yourself. I 100% agree. Or mm-hmm. revolving changing life. Right. Like
0: whatever comes your way. I Absolutely. mean, I was I was graduated as a teacher at UW Madison. And, and now I'm doing the work that I am Mm. guiding people through the, you know, the wild and helping people through their lives and teaching in a very different way or standing on stage. And so it's, it's very different. It's, it's, and yet it comes from that same core space. So thank you to the both of you for being here. I truly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to put all of your assets and everything in so everybody can find your bags, go buy your bags, go do the things, reach out to social media, share everything. And, uh, and let's keep this ripple going because that's what we're here for. So thank you to the both mm-hmm. of you for being here mm-hmm. so much for us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you. I believe in us and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahsholtenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day.